0: When you think about it, you live that every day of your life. You feel like you've conquered one sin and another one pops up. And you spend your energy trying to get that one under control, then another one pops up. And it seems to be never-ending. And there's a reason for that. And we're going to talk about that in this episode. Welcome to the Fox Den with Terry Fox. Greetings, everyone. Thanks for joining me in the Fox Den. I'm going to begin this episode by taking you down memory lane. I grew up in the 70s and graduated in the early 80s. And something that was popular during that time was visiting the local arcade. They were usually dark inside and the lights from the video games would glitter throughout. And it was filled with people. And there were tons of different games to play. Now back in that time frame, technology had not reached the point that it is today. The video games were hardly high-tech, and this was the time where Pac-Man became popular. You had other games like Space Invaders, Donkey Kong, Asteroids, and Centipede. Now, that was basically a time long, long ago, so it's hard for me to remember which game I enjoyed playing the most. I do remember playing my fair share of Pac-Man, but I don't remember which game I spent the most time playing. There is another arcade game you may be familiar with, and that's called Whack-A-Mole. The idea is that a mole would pop up from the ground and you would whack the mole and he would go down and another one would pop up in a different location. So in this game, you're constantly beating these moles on the head, trying to keep them in the ground. If you think about it, the game can be quite frustrating because every time you hit a mole and that one goes down, another one pops up. If it weren't for the fact that the game is timed, and therefore the end of the game is in sight, you can imagine how frustrating this game would be if it was never-ending, because it would actually be never-ending. But when you think about it, you live that every day of your life. You see, the Christian life is like whack-a-mole. You feel like you've conquered one sin and another one pops up, and you spend your energy trying to get that one under control, then another one pops up, and it seems to be never-ending. And there's a reason for that, and we're going to talk about that in this episode. But first, let me just say, if you meet anybody who thinks they have their sin under control, and they claim that their life is free from any struggle with sin, they've just revealed a great big sin. It's called a lie. You see, there's not a single one of us who has sin under control. Not one of us. You see, we struggle with sin till the day we die. So if anybody claims that they have no sin, John tells us that they are deceiving themselves. That's what he says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. You see, I think it's the tendency of some to look at others almost enviously, wishing that you could be as good as they are, or that it, that your life could be as clean as theirs, or they seem to have it all together and your life feels like a mess. But don't be fooled. They don't have it all together. They might be able to hide it when you're not looking, but their life is just as messy as yours. Every single one of them. Now, I'm foot-stomping this for a reason. My guess is you feel very frustrated at times because your life seems like a mess and their life seems so put together. And I just want you to understand that all of our lives are equally messy and it's all because of sin. And we all come from the same stock, Adam. So we suffer from the exact same thing. All of our lives are messy. So don't compare yourself with others as if your life is messy and theirs isn't. Now that's not to say that you are experiencing some things worse than other people. That happens. Some people have faced far greater tragedies than others. But that doesn't mean that one person's life is less messy than the other. So let me come back to the arcade game, Whack-A-Mole. You see, the Christian life is just like that. Once you feel like you've taken care of one sin, another sin pops its ugly head. And as you move through this life, you realize you're making virtually no progress in your struggle with sin. And I'm going to tell you why. But first, let me define sin. What is sin? The Westminster Shorter Catechism Question 14 answers that question. It asks, what is sin? And it answers, sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. Sin is doing what God told you not to do and not doing what God commanded you to do. So, since the fall in Genesis 3 6, man sins willingly. Genesis 3 6 is the fall of mankind. That's where Adam ate the fruit. So, from that point on, mankind is sinful. In fact, I've gone over this several times in previous episodes, but in Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, Paul tells us that there's not a single one of us who is righteous, there's not a single one of us who does good. That's because we come from Adam. We have the same sin nature he does. Do you find it interesting when God tells you to do something, sometimes it's really hard to do it? I'll give you an example. Let's say that somebody hurt you really, really badly. A brother and sister in Christ do something, and you're hurt deeply by it. And God commands you to forgive them. Do you struggle with forgiving them? My guess is you do. Why? It's our sin nature It's that thing inside of us that says, I don't want to obey. Really what it is is a God complex. You see, the heart of sin is to desire to dethrone God. And when we struggle with forgiveness, we're really elevating ourselves above somebody else. We're really saying that we're better than they are. But in those instances where our brothers and sisters in Christ hurt us, God commands us to forgive. And we so often struggle with forgiving them but we have no excuse not forgiving them, because our sin against God is far greater than anybody's offense against us. And God not only forgave us, God came as a man, Jesus Christ. He took our sins on himself and died the death that we deserve. So not only did God forgive us, God became a curse for us so that we could be forgiven. You see, our offense against God is far greater than anybody's offense against us. And yet God not only forgave us, he took our sins on himself, became a curse for us, and died the death we deserve. But do you notice how hard it is to forgive people? It's because God commands us to do it, and our sin nature struggles against it. But just so you know, it's not just you and me who struggle with sin. The Bible heroes struggled with sin. As a little side note here, If you're in a church that elevates these Bible heroes as examples to follow, I would suggest going someplace else. The heroes of the faith are just as sinful as we are. Abraham lied about his wife to save his own skin. David slept with another man's wife, and then he had that man put in a position to be killed in battle. So David is an adulterer and a murderer. You see, you don't want to be a David. You don't want to be like Abraham. You don't want to be like Moses. They're just as corrupt and sinful as you are. The only man to never sin is Jesus Christ. If there's any model to follow, he's the one. It's not me, not Moses, not any Christian in your church, not your pastor, none of them. All of us are equal to you. We're just as sinful as you are. All of us in our own lives play whack-a-mole. Abraham did it. David did it. I do it. You do it. Your pastor does it. It's the Christian life. Try as we may, we continue to sin. Now, before I continue, I do want to make this one point. As you listen to me through this episode, or quite frankly, any episode, I want you to understand, I am not giving you permission to sin. God does not give us permission to sin. He bestows his grace to us when we do sin. As a matter of fact, what he tells us in Romans 5.20 is, as sin increased— Grace increased all the more. The point is this. God's grace always outdoes our sin. Always. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you cannot sin yourself out of the kingdom. God's grace will always outdo your sin. But Paul understands the logic that's going to follow this point. You see, he knows that sinful man is going to think, well, why don't we just sin? Because the more we sin, the more God's grace abounds. And you say, no, that's not how it works. We died with Christ, and God raised us with Christ. So he has now called us to live as kingdom citizens. So we are to continue in this life of whack-a-mole, fighting against sin, struggling against sin. So please hear me as I talk about our struggle with sin. I am not giving permission to sin. But I want to help you understand why you will sin. I've referred to this in past episodes, but Paul tells us in Romans chapter 7 that sin still dwells in us. He says that in Romans chapter 7, verse 17, and Romans chapter 7, verse 20, and I want you to take a moment to find those verses and look for yourself at what Paul says. In verse 17, he's saying that it's sin in me that sins. He says the same thing in verse 20. Now, I'd like to take you to another Westminster Shorter Catechism question at this point, and we're going to look at question 35, and it asks, what is sanctification? And in that answer, I want you to see that it's a work of God whereby we die more to sin and live unto righteousness. But I want to bring you back to the dying more to sin. What do you notice about that? If we're dying more to sin, sin is still there. We're dying more to it as we progress through this Christian life. But even this question understands that sin is ever present. You see, God himself knows that you struggle with sin. He knows this. He's the one who inspired Paul to write the book of Romans. He's the one who inspired Paul to write in verses 17 and 20 that it's sin in us that keeps on sinning. You see, God already knows you're gonna sin. Now, don't misunderstand me. It's good that we grieve because of our sin. That's the regenerate you who is sad that your sin still offends God. But God isn't going to kick you out of the kingdom. No, he saved you by his grace, not by your works. He saved you because it pleased him to do so. He didn't save you because you you don't sin anymore. In fact, he saved you in spite of your sinning. Remember, God saved you when you hated him. Jesus died for you when you hated him. He's not going to kick you out of the kingdom now. So I want to emphasize Romans chapter 7, verses 17 and 20, so that you understand why you struggle with sin. Now you know why the Christian life is like whack-a-mole, because sin is ever-present, and it will be to the day you die. So I think you know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Why is this important? Well, this is important so that when you struggle with sin, you know why. This shouldn't catch you off guard anymore when you struggle with sin. When you keep falling back into that same pattern that you can't conquer, instead of beating yourself up and asking, why do I keep doing this? Now you know why. And also, I think this is important because our tendency is to look at other people and assume that their lives are in order while our lives are a mess. Now, perhaps I shouldn't say this at this point. Perhaps my wife will be a little displeased with me, but we have what we call a sin room. And what that sin room means is where you throw all your junk when people come over so they can't see that your house is a mess. So perhaps we have somebody coming over for dinner and we have to clean the house and maybe we don't have enough time to really clean the house. So we take a lot of our stuff and just throw it in the other room, close the door so nobody can see it. So when the people walk in, they think we're tidy people and that our house is in order. You see, that's how a lot of us function, We hide our sins so that other people can't see it, so that they think that our lives are in order. I also think this is important so that you don't think that you have to show everybody that your life is in order. I mean, what's somebody going to think if they know that you sin? That's kind of what we think. Well, I hate to break the bad news to you, but I already know that you sin, not because I've seen it, but I know it because of what the Bible says. And just so you know, I know that you're worse than you think you are, because that's what the Bible says. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you listen to episode 9. So don't try to fool others and lead them to believe that your life is hunky-dory, that all is well, you have no problems, you have no sins that you struggle with, because that's deception. So here's my assignment for you. Take some time to memorize Westminster Shorter Catechism, question 14, and question 35. Question 14 will help you understand really what sin is. But I think question 35 is going to help you understand several things. First of all, that your sanctification is a work of God. And it's going to help you understand that God renewed you already. But also in the struggle of life, it's going to show you that you're dying more to sin, which means sin is ever-present. So when it comes to sanctification, you can look at it kind of like a stock market chart, where stocks are either trending up or down. So with the Christian life sin is trending down and righteousness is trending up, or living in righteousness, I should say, is trending up. But even though sin is trending down, sin is still present. So I think question 35 is going to help you understand several things. And then finally, memorize Romans chapter 5, verse 20. And there Paul reminds you that God's grace always outperforms your sin. Always. You cannot out-sin God. And then, as a bit of extracurricular activity, let me recommend that you read my blog article, Struggling with Sin, Fighting the Parasite. You can find that on thefoxdenjournal.com slash struggling. And in that article, I unpack Romans chapter 7. So that's a more extensive study on Romans chapter 7 and why we struggle with sin. But let me conclude this episode with what Paul says at the end of Romans chapter 7. In verse 24, he asks who is going to rescue him from this body of death. And his answer is in verse 25. God will deliver us from this body of death through Jesus Christ. Notice how salvation is a work of God. It's not your work. When you memorize question 35 of the Westminster Shorter Catechism, you see it asks, what is sanctification? And in that answer, you're going to learn that your sanctification is a work of God. It's not your work. Now that doesn't mean that you don't struggle with sin. Of course you are. You're going to fight against it. You're going to to try to live your life to honor God, to be obedient to him. Sure. But your sanctification is a work of God. All of salvation is a work of God. You see, it's God himself who rescues you through the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe if you haven't done so already. You can find this podcast on several different apps. If you like what I do, please leave a positive review. And please share or tell others about the Fox Den. And also, check out the FoxDenJournal.com to find articles and other resources. And thanks for listening.